welcome everybody to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick. And joining me is my fellow co-host, Alistair Kirsch, Kirschpool, excuse me, AKP, is in Michigan for the next few weeks. AKP, how you doing and how was that drive? It was good. And, you know, we ended up with snow, which was more than I was expecting. It's been such a warm winter that I was I was afraid we weren't going to get any snow, but we did. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, I always enjoy snow around Christmas time. But uh, AKP, I don't know if you can see this, but I am using the brand new microphone that you got me. I finally figured out how to set it up, install it, and get it to record. How does it sound, man? Do I still sound ridiculous, or is that just my opinions? <laughs> I think you sound great, and uh, hopefully the the listeners agree with me. You're all welcome, listeners. It was a a Christmas present for you all. Absolutely, and what better episode to talk about than start with the microphone than now when you just had a league announcement, AKP. We've been waiting on this. Fans have been waiting on this for months and weeks, all the ups and downs over the last couple of weeks, but... Major League Rugby finally released the 2024 season schedule, and oh boy, and the formats. We have a lot to talk about this episode. We're also going to talk about the results of the player dispersal draft, who OGDC picked. We'll go through a little bit of the 2024 season schedule, so going to have a lot of fun here. Let's just right off the jump here. Um, So, Major League Rugby just said they released the schedule, and obviously with Two teams dropping out. They had to shift and, and move things around. And, you know, I th- thought they've made the best of, a, of an awkward situation. Yes, you know, it's an unbalanced league right now. There's 11, but I guess it's not unbalanced anymore if there's only one conference. So let's jump right into it, AKP. The league announced with the new format that each team will play eight home and eight away games, just like last year, right? You know, that was to be expected. There'll be two weeks of buys, uh, which is great. Um, there will be no conference or divisions, just overall league standings. And AKP, I think you mentioned that a couple of weeks ago as the best way to do this. Now that it's out there, how do you feel about it? I mean, I think it's the only sensible way to go. It's what they did in 2020 when there was were only 11 teams in the in the conference or in the league and. You know, you just can't really do conferences when you have that few teams, and not when you're trying to play 16 games. So, I think it's good. Honestly, we get to play everyone else, and we get to play a bunch of them twice, and that that seems reasonable to me. Yeah, and and, and you avoid the issue that you had last year, and and I understand the gripes that the fans of the Utah Warriors had, right? Yeah. Had, had this been had had this been last year or whatever. Utah would have made the playoffs, right? They had a stellar campaign. Um, unfortunately, they were just in a really stacked Western Conference that so they just couldn't get past there. And they certainly had their chances to win. And, you know, they didn't win the games they should have won. Oh, glory, D.C. beating Utah. That certainly didn't help their their case towards the end of the season. Um, but this new format now, you can see how everyone stacks up. It's all right there. We can compare and contrast. Everyone plays each other. So there shouldn't be any concerns. And we'll get into the playoff discussion here uh, <laughs> in in just a moment but um so as the rest of the format plays out each team will play six opponents twice in the season and then four opponents 
once. So, AKP, we've seen Old Glory DC's schedule. Who are the teams that Old Glory DC will play twice? So a bunch of them aren't surprising. New England, obviously, not that far away. Chicago, same. Miami is on the the same coast. And NOLA, former Eastern Conference, back when that was a thing. And then we also play San Diego and the new LA team. So those ones are going to be a bit more of a travel. But yeah, those those are our, our, our doubled up opponents. And... You know, that's going to be tough in some ways. New England and San Diego, the two teams from the finals last year. And we get to, get to play them both twice, so fun. Fun. Um, you got to test yourself against the best if you if you want to be considered a, a contender. And, and this is, a, you know, way too early, you know, talk about playoffs and all that stuff. But, you know, in this league with, with 11 teams now, you can't, squirt through a season and avoid playing the top teams and hey they were the top two teams last year and unfortunately that's just how the draw goes and you know i would hope at the very least we could at least split you know those four games if we can go two and two again way early you know if we can go two and two i think i would feel pretty good about that if you ask me right now but we'll see so much you know so much needs to happen between now and then but you know i i I like the fact that Old Glory DC is going to be challenged there, and and there will be no excuses, you know, at the end of the season if they make it or not. Look, we're playing the two top teams from last year, twice next year. So, yeah, that's exciting, exciting yeah. stuff. Um, you know, I'm I'm excited to to see San Diego. I'm excited to see LA. Always love, always love playing New England. Just the way their fans talk, so much garbage. So I'm looking forward to <laughs> to, to all of that. Um, so yeah all right so as we talked playoffs let's just break down how this will work out with 11 teams in this one conference eight eight teams will qualify the playoffs so only three will miss the playoffs akp how do you feel about the majority of teams making the playoffs good, bad, indifferent? Does that keep interest longer in the season? Does that change the dynamics of how teams play? You've got the floor. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i someone who tends to be more on the of the mind that it's better to have more teams in the playoff rather than fewer. I, you know, more chance for chaos, more... The, it means the... I like it when even the teams near the bottom still have some hope halfway through the season that they can they can make it in. For me, I don't feel like making it to the playoffs should be the the a marker of achievement in and of itself. And but I mean even for me, <laughs> 8 out of 11 teams is a lot. I mean that's going to be basically if you think about last year the bottom 3 teams, okay, so that was Dallas, Toronto, and Chicago, all of whom had like disasters of a season. And it's basically going to be, if, as long as you don't have a disaster season, you're going to make it to the playoffs. And that, you know, I would have preferred that they dropped it down to six. But also, you know, I'm not a huge fan of bye weeks in a, in a playoff. I prefer the just straight tournament format. Like, everyone plays, if you want to win, you got to play the same number of ta- games. You got to beat the same number of teams and I I like that. So 
I don't know. I think it'll be fine. Ultimately, I th- I don't think it really matters that much. You know, you can get people will get worked up about it, but honestly, we're it's going to be rugby. We're going to enjoy it, and and as long as we know what the rules are beforehand, like it's a level playing field. Everyone gets the same rules. Everyone has the same chances, and so you know, who cares? Yeah. I I I, I like the idea of more teams getting into the playoffs. For the simple fact of, you know, and presumably the, the the format will be you know highest seed and lowest seed, right? One eight, two seven, three six, four five, playing each other. The idea of potentially the eight seed knocking off the one seed, like something about that. Maybe it's that March Madness uh, idea, and we've seen it in NBA and NHL playoffs where you know eight seeds have knocked off one seed. There's something about that that I think is kind of fun, particularly when it's just one game, right? You can't look past any one opponent. And I, I like it. I don't, I don't want teams to have buys going into the playoffs. Right. And I haven't looked at the numbers, but I would think particularly when it comes to playoff time, these uh, teams that are hosting are going to want an extra home game, right. Or, or, you know, the ability to bring in yeah. more fans and maybe make a little bit more money. And then if you're the visiting team, you can win. And if the seedings get switched, maybe you can host a, a home, you know, I'm all for eight teams. I know people don't like it. I know there's others who say it rewards mediocrity, but I like the idea, particularly with how this league is right now in the seventh season with we need as much interest and eyeballs and viewership as possible to keep that going through the entire season, right? Like we are starving for people to watch the game. We need more money to come into the league. I want more people to continue to watch their team all the way through the season, even if it, you know, they're, uh, you know, going into week 16 and they're 2 and 14, but they have an outside chance maybe, or sorry, you know, 2 and 13 and have an outside chance of potentially winning one more game and getting the eight seed, right? And getting the playoffs, right? There's something about how this league needs to continue to, and maybe this is a cheap way of doing it by saying, hey, everyone makes the playoffs, but I'm okay with it. You know, I'm okay with it. I think it's, I think we're going to see some interesting lineup decisions uh, towards the end of the season keeps fans engaged a bit more i'm willing to to go along with this knowing that it's probably not a permanent solution right hopefully as the league continues to grow and you know adrian balfour the seattle seawolves owner seemed to reassure matt mccarthy on a recent mlr weekly episode that a new york team is going to be coming back right so you know as the league expands you you know, I think things will get shuffled around. I don't think this is a is a permanent thing. I think it's temporary. So let's work with what we have. It's not a perfect solution, but let's roll with it. Eight teams make the playoffs. Okay, anything can happen. Let's make sure, damn sure, our team makes the playoffs, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that's the thing. It's going to be darn difficult to miss it. Miss it this year. Even Nola should make it in this year. Hey, Nola, Nola, they they've made some moves, and we'll talk about them in a little bit. Um, but. Yeah, and if you if your team can't make the playoffs when eight out of eleven get in, then um, you've had a you've had a tough season, <laughs> had a really yeah. really tough season, which then makes me a little nervous about making sure that team, you know, is viable moving forward, right? Or 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 the standings could be so tight, you know, we we immediately my mind jumps to okay, if you're nine, ten, and eleven you've had a really bad season. But what if because there are less teams and because there's more parity, you could be 11th, but maybe you've got five or six wins 
And maybe it's just coming down to points, right? Like you would think, okay, yeah, five, six wins isn't that great. But compared to how some of the teams finished last year, right, with only two wins or one or three, what if it? What if the standings are a little bit tighter? And yeah, you might be 9, 10, or 11, but what if you do have six, seven wins? Like that's, I don't know if that can happen, but just because you're at the bottom doesn't mean you, you maybe had a terrible record if there is more parity in the league this year because of two teams dropping and the other teams gaining some some more players. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. We'll see. Yeah. Yep, we will indeed. That's why we play the games. <laughs> yeah. Oh, glory. If eight, eight teams get in, your asses better be in the playoffs. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Moving on. Uh, I got a little worked up there. A couple of things that I wanted to point out about the, the announcement yesterday, and I'm glad... Major League Rugby finally put out an announcement about the season schedule. Um, But if you noticed, you know, it did mention Los Angeles Rugby. So I guess, you know, reassuring that there will be an L.A. team playing in in 2024. Um, They wouldn't put out a season schedule if they were concerned that the owners from L.A. weren't going to play in 2024 or have a team, right? So, okay. Officially, there will be a team. But there was nothing about any branding or team info or player info and there isn't really there wasn't like an official announcement on where they're going to be playing now when you go on the schedule and you take a look at it you can see that again la rugby it's just a placeholder the stadium says dignity health sports park which is based in carson california uh for those who don't know that was uh where (laughs) the chargers played um, their very first year or two, when the Chargers moved from San Diego to L.A., they played. At, it was then, I think, like Home Depot Center. Um, so this the, the naming sponsor has changed, but it's based in Carson, California. It's a stadium that holds probably about maybe 35, maybe 40,000 max. The Chargers couldn't sell it out. Their, like their last season in LA, they couldn't sell it out, right? It's it's a nice venue. They play rugby there. They played sevens there. They've got you know the CrossFit games. There's soccer there. I think the um, the Galaxy uses it as a training grounds. But what's interesting about what's going on with um, LA rugby is that first weekend again the season begins March second. LA has a home game in week one. It's a Sunday night, which is interesting because LA sevens. You know, the HSBC 7's stop is taking place in L.A. the same exact weekend on the same campus as Los Angeles Rugby. Now, you're probably wondering, well, how's it going to work? There's conflicts, you know, international 7's, men's and women's. It sounds like, one, L.A. 7's probably will be wrapped up by the time L.A. Rugby kicks off, MLR. But it's probably not going to be in the same venue. It's going to be on the campus of it. So the main stadium was probably where LA sevens will take place. There's a, like a side auxiliary training ground field where the San Diego Legion actually played a couple of games where that's probably where Los Angeles rugby is at least going to play their home opener. Now the question remains, do they then eventually move into dignity health sports park to play, or are they going to continue to play on the training ground? I don't know. AKP, what do you think? Ideally, it'd be great if LA played in the, the main stadium. They'll probably be dwarfed a little bit. Or does it make sense to try and pack out 
the smaller venue, even though we don't quite know what the sight lines are going to be for the cameras. And I don't know. It's, <laughs> it makes me a little bit nervous. Yeah. Let me, I'll start off with saying that I think it's pretty cool that they're, they're sort of co-locating with the sevens. I think that's a great way to get people interested in the, in the team for their, their opener. I mean, we saw sort of the splash that teams can make with their, their home opener when they do something interesting and you're going to get a lot of rugby fans who are going to be in the area already. And, you know, cap off the weekend with a bit of a bit of 15s after you've watched a ton of sevens and i i think that's i think that's cool i don't really know a lot about that stadium specifically but i do prefer when teams play in smaller stadiums so depending on the you know how many it, how many it seats and what it looks like on tv you know, that, that training ground might be the right place for them to be. But I wonder, too, if they're going to be sort of trying it out. They'll see how it is, and then who knows, maybe they, they move into the big stadium if it's if it's just not good enough. And the fan experience, you don't know what that's going to be like. And I'm sure they're going to have a lot of things to figure out. I mean, you know, it's it's not... Every team has to figure out how they how they want to organize these things and how to make the fan experience really work. And there's a lot of things that you think will work and then won't, or things you don't expect that that turn into something big. So, best of luck to them. Best of luck to them, indeed. And and the more we think about it, and I was just trying to go online to the LA Sevens and website to see when the hours might be, and we don't have the the schedule yet. But if it can work. Why not try and have, and I, hopefully the field isn't too messed up, but with sevens, I don't think the field can get too messed up, but why not? If you've got a crowd already going to be there for the LA sevens, and granted, sevens, fifteens crowd, there's obviously, you know, um, some, some crossover and some common ground rugby fans there. Why not try and get LA rugby to play on the field right after the sevens competitions have finished up if they can go through the medal ceremonies and all that stuff or they can figure out a way to make that all work why not try and have it in the same places as you said to really try and capture all the fans that may already be there and then coming in for the final i think there could be something cool about that if they could try and make it work you know hey if you could get 10 to fifteen thousand, that would set an mls record right mls sorry mlr record if you had yeah. one over 10,000 11 12,000 fans for one game wouldn't yeah. that be something else? So, um, yeah, it could be great for them. We will see. So, rooting on LA Rugby in the sense that um, I'd love for them, now that the season schedule is out, can we get the name of this team? Can we get the players on the team? Can we figure out the coaching staff? Can we have a big announcement? And if a AKP, would you rather you have an announcement before the end of the year? 2023 or let's start off 2024 with a bang right after the new year boom la rugby comes out what makes sense for you from a timing perspective i mean it's got to be this year doesn't it but i guess why no like well, at this point <laughs> i mean it's just i mean i think you know if i were 
you know, I work for a company and we do, we deal with like, you know, professionals, people, people don't visit our website on weekends or during holidays. And that's because we're, you know, they, they do their job and, and their job involves working with us. And so they only do it. They only, you know, we don't do anything this time of year. Like we, everyone takes vacation and takes time off because there's, there's nothing to do at this time of year. MLR is the exact opposite. MLR is an entertainment thing. People do this for fun. You know, when they're at home with their families, when it's, it's, you know, holiday times and they're taking time off and, you know, they're visiting people. This is the time where they're most open to, they have the most free time. They're most open to, to hearing about their hobbies and the things that they're interested in. This is a time to, a valuable time for consumer directed brands to, I guess, make a statement and to, to get in front of people. This is a time when, when people are, are most looking for that sort of entertainment. So like announce it now. You wait until the new year. Everyone's back at work. They're thinking about work things. They're thinking about, you know, new year things. They're not thinking about rugby necessarily. And like, yeah, you got the training camp starting up and you get, you get some buzz from that. But like, this is a valuable time of year for consumer brands. And it's, I feel like sometimes MLR teams forget that, you know, we're all doing this for fun and not as a job (laughs) and don't really take advantage of holidays and the times that everyone else has off to, to market. Yeah. That's a really good point, right? Because you figure if you're gathering around with family and friends and you happen to get an alert on your phone, you know, that LA rugby is, is on, you know, and your family and friends know that you play rugby or have an interest in, in rugby, you're going to talk about it. It's going to be a topic of conversation. And look, you, you've hit it on the head, right? Like the leagues have figured it out for years. Like the NBA has owned Christmas Day. They've stacked, um, you know, the lineup from like 12 noon Eastern Standard Time to, you know, like 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. There's four or five NBA games. And the NFL started to kind of complain on that because, wait, everyone's sitting around. They got their phones in their hand. You know, they're gorged on food and holiday spirit, and they want to sit back and watch a basketball or a football game. Yeah, why not try and release it, you know, right before Christmas time? I, I, don't, I don't think – yeah, T- take advantage of it. What's the point of waiting now? Unless I, – I don't know. Maybe it's they're waiting on another key piece of – or a player or a coach to sign or they're waiting on the logo. But at this point, like this, yeah. But you don't need that for the logo or the name. And if you don't have the logo or the name well, figured out, what yeah. are you doing? Well, that brings us to the other like, point. Like, it's not is, that uh, hard. You know, kit miss, right? Uh, the jerseys, right? So let's go back a little bit, right? So you're, you're Kappa. You've come on to be the New Jersey supplier. And, and seemingly those conversations probably happened before – paladin either wanted to renew or said you know what we're not going to do this anymore right so at that time with kappa coming on board right that obviously wasn't announced publicly yet did they have an idea that there was going to be an la franchise and if they didn't know okay uh the timing of it right so la rugby you know they can't just be like okay we finally know what our logo looks like on the tuesday december 19th there's no way that can Kappa spin those jerseys that, that look good, the, the branding and the ethos and everything that goes into what a logo means and what a team and fans want to get excited about, right? My point that I'm getting at in a long-winded way is I feel like that should have been should have been figured out a long time ago, 
right? When, when, when Kappa entered the discussions to be the New Jersey supplier in LA rugby and the owners were like, yeah, we're going to announce a team. I would hope they had some of that stuff already figured out and in place so that when they come out with the jerseys, people are like, oh snap, that's good. And it's not an afterthought because then your first impression looks awful, right? If it's just like black and white jerseys, like what? That's boring. Well, the rumor has it that this all has been figured yeah. out for for months. Like, I mean, you listen to Brian Ray on Twitter and stuff, and it sounds like this stuff has existed, and you know, the name has been worked out, the logo exists, and that's the thing is, I don't need to hear them announce everything. Like, I don't need to hear them announce who the coach is, or that's you know, that stuff can can wait until the new year. I mean, eventually you're gonna have to get the team together to start practicing, and we're gonna have to know who's on it. But you know, we'll find out one way or another. But you know, give us a logo, give us a name to talk about instead of just the L.A. rugby team. I mean, it's like when uh when the yeah. <laughs> Washington football team was refusing to change their name it's like it feels so clunky to, to talk about them in this way it's like oh have they inherited some old racist name or is or are they just incapable of communicating what this brand is and yeah with the kappa supplier thing i mean this la group that bought atlanta like they were they were angling to buy the guiltinis when they were collapsing and you know Gilcrest really fumbled the bag on that one, but he, you know, so they've been in the conversation for a long time. I guarantee they've had a lot of this sorted out, especially because this is what owners love doing. You know, naming a team, yeah. that's a ton of fun. Picking a logo, it's a ton of fun. It's one of the the most creative things you get to do as an owner is decide what your team is going to be and what your team identity is going to be. So there's no way that this wasn't, worked out well in advance and the colors and things and i'm sure cap has had it forever and they just for some idiotic reason refuse to give it to the rest of us yeah you bring up and really i don't understand that uh, the owners and i think it's well known now that the owners of this la franchise are owners of the tel aviv heat in in rugby europe so seemingly seasoned operators when it comes to running a rugby professional rugby team right <laughs> over in europe now <clears throat> Maybe we're not giving them enough credit. Maybe they're playing chess here and we're sitting around playing checkers. Maybe, I don't know, I don't give them too much credit yet, but maybe they're doing this to continue to build, ratchet up that anticipation of who this L.A. franchise is because of the way that L.A. left, because of what happened with the Gil Gronies thing. You know, maybe they're saying, hey, look... (laughs) Maybe we have the foresight to see here, like, if we hold this off for a long, people are going to get really, really worked up and intense and talk about it and share on social and we'll get engagement. Maybe they're playing us here a little bit, or maybe they're just trying to ratchet up the anticipation and maybe they're going to come out and bang, like this was part of their plan all along. That would be wild. And I bring that up because any any sports franchise based in L.A., is obviously going to have to deal with a lot, right? Entertainment capital of the world, cultural capital of the U.S., popular culture capital of the U.S., right? Um, You've got tech and Hollywood and all that stuff. And if you looked at that previous franchise in L.A., whether you 
take remove Gilchrist for a second. That team was fun to watch. That was a fun product on the field. They had slick jerseys. Those guys had fun. The guys and girls who ran that organization, they had fun. They knew they had to capture attention, right? Those jerseys definitely screamed, you know, L.A. That bar was set pretty high for this next L.A. franchise. They're going to have to surpass that given everything that's gone on and this delay or whatever. So maybe, just maybe... Again, because these are seasoned operators, they know exactly what they're doing. This is all part of their master plan. Because on social, you gotta have there's gotta be the drama that everyone gets all worked up about. Maybe this is all part of the plan, and bang, they're gonna drop it on us, and we're gonna be mind blown. I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah, I like your optimism. Uh, this is a pro optimism co- podcast. You just rolled your eyes there. You just I guess we'll. I guess we'll see. <laughs> AKP doesn't feel like they have a master plan. We'll see. We'll see. It's possible. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not going to claim to be the ultimate PR marketing person ever. And, you know, obviously there's different strategies to this. And I just hope that they do have a plan and that it works out for them. Cause I don't know what that plan could be. I can't imagine what plan could lead you to this, this place, but you know, I'm, Let's let's hope. Let's let's go with your your optimism that this this is all some brilliant master evil plan. plan. Now, AKP, before we actually move on to talk the specifics of the Old Glory DC twenty twenty four schedule, I wanted to bring up this one little point, and this is something that's kind of been bothering me when I saw the release. But uh, just on the broadcast, uh, Fox Sports is going to continue to be a, a television broadcast partner, so they're going to broadcast one live match uh, per week. Okay, that's great. So it'll be on, you know, you know, linear TV or whatever. That's network TV. TRN will stream the rest across the U.S. and around the world. So my question then is because there were a couple of words that I would have liked to see that I didn't see. So I didn't see the word free. Because <laughs> we know TRN has now that new plus package, right, where you can watch uh, Premiership Women's Rugby, where you can watch the, the Premiership Rugby Will MLR matches remain free for viewers or move to that paid TRN Plus package? What do you think? It's a good question, but I think it'll stay free. I can't imagine that they'll move it behind TRN Plus. I think it's too soon for that. I think, you know, they're still in the process of wanting to grow the, the user base. I don't. I don't really see how you could put it on TRM plus and get away with it at this point. I mean, maybe when you get to like the playoffs or something, you do that, or maybe, maybe because usually the Fox sports one isn't live immediately. It's usually a 24 hour delay. Maybe they make it it live at the same time. If you have TRM plus or something like that. So there's sort of one match a week that's behind TRM plus, but you know, I mean, I would pay for TRN Plus to watch MLR, but I don't know how many other people are there are like me. And, I mean, the answer is not enough because otherwise the league would be. Yeah, I'm trying to remember back. I think TRN put out a, a survey that I actually did fill out. And I was trying to remember if one of the questions was, would you be like, how likely would you be to pay for, to watch MLR matches, right? Like in what per month? And if it's going to be free, why not say that explicitly in that announcement? 
right? But because I didn't see the, maybe I'm reading into it too much, but because I didn't see the word free, I presume that then it is going to be on that TRN Plus package. And like you said, because I am such a fan, you know, obviously there's a spectrum, right? Your casual fan and your avid fan, uh, far more avid MLR fan. So, and I don't have the TRN Plus package right now, but if MLR matches are going to move to TRN Plus, then I'm going to have to purchase it. I'll more than likely probably purchase. I'll be forced to purchase it if I want to watch the team, my team's play, or, or just all the games, which I enjoy watching. What's the percentage then of people who have previously watched MLR matches for free who will not move to that that paid package, right? And is the trade-off worth it? Is the What is the nominal, how much money they're actually going to make? Yes, I understand there's hard costs with, with broadcasting and all that stuff, but... I don't know. I'm just I'm a little concerned that now we're, we may be seeing less eyeballs watching MLR matches. And yes, I know this is a business. They need to make money, but I'm a little concerned because, again, if it's free, why not just say it on the announcement? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think so far what we've seen on TRM Plus has been basically just premiership, I think, at this point. It's very easy for MLR owners who own TRN to say, yeah, put the premiership behind a, a paywall. Like, you know, yeah, it, TRN is a, a very niche app that only people who know about it are going to get and how many of them are going to pay for it. But it's premiership and it's very easy to make that decision for as MLR owners to be like, yeah, whatever. If they don't grow their viewer base, that's fine. We just want to get money out of them because TRM will be making a certain amount of profit on that, and that'll be going to pay for keeping TRN afloat, keeping running the operations there. I don't think MLR owners are going to be as eager to do that with their own content to take it and stick it behind a paywall and limit their own growth. I think they're going to want to keep it free. They're going to want to keep that content in in front of as many eyeballs as possible and you know i think about my family they're they all know rugby they watch rugby but you know they'll occasionally tune into an mlr game they don't follow the season in the same sort of way if if trm was paid like i don't know if they would watch mlr at all you know they're and maybe that means they're just not valuable as as customers but it's also those are the sort of people you want to capture and there's still a profit to them watching games occasionally it's still being in their consciousness and yeah i think it and you think about new fans people who are just picking up the sport who maybe attend a game in person and then are like oh how do i follow this that was fun how do i follow this how do i watch this and you stick it behind a paywall and it's now it's like okay do i like it that much you know i don't really know a lot about the sport don't do i want to commit the six dollars a month or whatever it is to trm plus to to keep watching this and i think when you you increase the friction there of of acquiring new fans and i don't know if mlr can afford to do that then just say it's free on the announcement i don't know why we didn't see it and that's why it's got me nervous and i know i keep i keep banging that drum but why not just say it when they have the broadcast information there but anyway so we will see. If it does move to TRN+, Plus, I will certainly probably pay for it. But um, if it, you know, 
If it is free, just say it on the announcement. Anyway, moving on. OGDC schedule 2024. I want to break <laughs> this down a little bit, AKP. We've waited this long. This is some fun stuff here. Uh, week one, Old Glory DC will start on the road against Nola Gold. That's March 2nd. It's the first game of the 2024 season. That's a Friday, I believe. 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Kickoff, AKP. Woo! How do you feel about that? I mean, it's becoming... Sorry, it's a Saturday. I apologize. Yeah, I was it's a Saturday, say, 3 p.m. I don't know why I said Friday. Fr- yeah. Friday at 3 p.m. would be a bit weird. Um, yeah, no, it's become something of a tradition for us to start off playing the NOLA Gold for our season opener. So I'm glad we're, we're keeping that one alive. It's I don't know if we've had a, a season opener that's been on the road for a while. I feel like we tend to open the season at home. So... It's it's exciting. It'll be fun to to get back into the swing of things. And we've got a couple of games on the road to start the season. We week two it's at the New England Free Jacks. And then we go through a, a swing where we have a lot of home games. I think the eight games after that, or how many is that? Yeah, eight games after that there or the eight weeks after that, we've got five home games. So that's gonna be a pretty packed part of the schedule. Sort of mid March to early May. Yeah, if you look at that early part of the schedule, and I have to just double check here to confirm, but I'm almost, you know, so we what two games on the road to start, and that second one uh, are going to be a tough battle against the New England Free Jacks. I'm almost certain that is New England's home opener, right? That March 9th game. Be so that's going to be their home that. opener. Oh yeah, particularly if they get their their championship rings. Yeah, you know they celebrate their championship and Old Glory DC mops the floor with them. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be something else? And then we turn around in the next week, home opener, March sixteenth, the day before St. Patrick's Day. Old Glory DC welcomes the Miami Sharks. I mean, that's gonna be a very interesting start to the season and then we turn around the next weekend host again the utah warriors those first four games there's not an easy game right again with 11 teams now um there's not an easy an easy start to the season i think and again it's going to take a time for the team to really find their form on the field you know the, the first part of a season those first three to four games you're still trying to figure things out how guys fit in playing you know as you play other competition so we don't want to draw too many conclusions from the first part of the season. Um, but uh, it's going to be a tough first forward to kind of start the season. Excited because, you know, if we can come out and show that, hey, we're a playoff bound team again. Yes, I know eight teams make it out of 11. That doesn't say much. But, you know, if we can go down there and and uh, go up to New England and knock off them and take it to Utah and Miami, you know, hey, you know, good start. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, and then you and then you mentioned right. And then it there there are as you get towards the middle part of that season, right on the road against Chicago, and then San Diego uh, at home, which will be interesting. So we won't have to travel out there <laughs> quite yet. And then I believe we've got nope. The following week we're on the road against Houston. You know, if you look at all of this, right. And then we uh, host Los Angeles. If I recall correctly, we had an early season bye uh, last year. I believe it was week 
three, maybe, or just after week two, week three or week four. This time, if you look at how the schedule works out, we've got a, Oh, glory has a buy in week 11. So just, you know, a little beyond the halfway point. And then they have a buy in week 17, which is the second to last week of the regular season. Cause then it closes out the regular season on week 18, a home match against Nola gold on June 29th. How do you feel about how the bye weeks are lining up in 2024? I mean, it has to be said that anytime you're getting, you have 11 teams, anytime you've got an odd number of teams and this sort of structure, you're, you just, the way the math works, you have to, someone's got to be on bye every week. So I think, I don't remember what team it is that has a buy in the first week, but you know, there's going to be someone who has a buy the first week. Someone's got to have a buy the last week. And so I think, you know, considering that it's not bad. I think buys towards the end of the season, middle towards the end of the season, that's usually the best place for them. That's where you need, you're most likely to have injuries that you need guys to recover from, or that's when, you know, the, the, season is starting to take its toll so i mean week 17 is a little late i prefer that to be like week 15 or something but even then if we're you know that will be when we'll be gearing up for a playoff run assuming that we make it but i think that's reasonable to assume so that's going to be another time that you know we're going to want to be getting ready we're going to be wanting to rest players and you know i i don't mind that the the late season by personally so AKP, as we talk about the end of the season, though, what I think is really interesting, and again, the season, the regular season ends uh, June 29th, and then you've got the quarterfinals, semifinals, and then final. But we know we've got that July test window coming into play, right? And they're going to take a break, but it looks like the quarterfinals of that first round of the playoffs will be that weekend of, of July, hold on, San Diego Legion had it, July 6th and 7th, so a Saturday, Sunday. And then there's that two-week break, again, to accommodate the quirkiness of the July test window because MLR got shifted three weeks back. The semifinals would take place July uh, 27th, 28th. So it sounds like there will be some some test matches there for the USA Men's Eagles. But as you said, at the end of the season there, what is that impact going to be like on all the MLR teams, right? Knowing that Old Glory DC, we count, what, at least two, three players, three of our top players, at least. You know, they're going to have a training camp. Yeah, they're going to have a training camp probably sometime in June. So end of the regular season. Are we missing Jama? Are we missing Jack? Who else are we missing? Potentially Mike DeBoulis. Who else uh, are we missing? Tommaso Boni. Tommaso Boni. Yeah. Colin Gross, maybe? Colin Gross. Because he's in the player pool. Yeah, he, he certainly is. I'm probably missing someone else. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, I remember we went through that list. Yeah, I know. And I just, we just kept adding players, people <laughs> uh, like, oh yeah, no, he would be in there too. And yeah, it's, it could be a lot. Corey Daniel, potentially. Oh, Corey Daniel, right. Yep, yeah. That was another one. Um, so that's, that's, that's going to definitely, that's interesting. That's why I'm okay with this eight teams making the playoffs because there's going to be, you know, the men's Eagles, you know, the impact of, of, and I think old glory DC may be impacted the most. Um, you know, so it's going to be really interesting late June and, and early July and, you know, who's available and then what if they get banged up in one game and can't do the other? You know, there's a lot 
it's a really fluid and dynamic situation there. So uh, uh, <laughs> a lot to think about, you know, uh, with how this is going to play out in, in 2024, that um, excited for the opportunity, you know, excited for what may come, but a lot of big question marks, you know, a season could change based on an injury or two or availability, you know, at the end of the season. So uh, Simon Cross, good luck navigating. Yeah. <laughs> yep, it will be interesting. You know what would be interesting? An interesting way to encourage it. This is just a random thought that popped into my head. Interesting way to encourage teams to develop U.S. players is maybe if one of your players gets selected for the Eagles at the end of the season, that gives you another foreign player slot. You can replace them with a foreign player. Hmm. That that would be an interesting one. So like you know, Jamma goes out. Okay, we can get a, we can get another for, foreign player on the roster. You know, Iscaro goes goes for the Eagles. Okay, we get another foreign player in. That that would be an, that would be an interesting, yeah. way to to encourage that because you you know you get right now if it you know it's like okay great old glory investing in a lot of. Eagles talent we have the potential that like I don't know six or seven players could be but like that's six or seven players and they're Eagles so they're good we're probably putting on the them on the field all the time and and now they're gone right at the yep. playoffs yep. you know to go and potentially get injured over you know, playing some whoever and that's 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 a downside to them so I yeah that, it could be that cool. would be interesting to see how MLR the, allows the clubs to sign or bring on short-term players. You know, given last year with like the bringing on players too late and did they qualify for enough playoffs? But I guess it didn't really matter. You know, yeah. you've, got a, you've got a scrum half like Ruben DeHaas who's coming off of injury. It sounds like his rehab is going well. I'm sure Scott Lawrence is going to see him close by, and why not have him play for an MLR team? And yes, I know we've loaded up on some scrum halves, and we'll talk about that here in a second with the player dispersal draft. Uh, but all the, you know, anybody else coming back from short-term loan, right? Like, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Hey, we've got A.J. McGinty who, you know, hurt his hamstring. You know, he's out for a few months on sale. He's obviously probably going to, if he's healthy, come back for that July window. But that doesn't have an effect too much on MLR unless, you know, they were, you know, an MLR club works out something with sale about, hey, at I don't know what I'm talking about, so let's screw that. But be interesting to see what MLR is going to allow clubs to do and how it will count against the roster or salary caps and all that stuff, knowing that there is going to be an impact at a pivotal, critical moment in the season, end of the season, going into the playoffs, with Old Glory DC probably going to be impacted the most on this. So, oh yeah. boy. Yeah. Oh. Oh boy. Okay, AKP, let's close out our discussion on the season schedule. And I want to move quickly over to the results of the player dispersal draft between the New York former, the ex New York Ironworkers and the Toronto Arrows players who now have been dispersed across the league. MLR Hill held a uh, player dispersal draft. There were five rounds. Not every team selected in the first round. And there were a lot of the rounds where teams just didn't select at all. I guess they keyed on a few players that they wanted. I want to run through a couple here and then get your comments. A couple of things stood out for me. One, Nola Gold. Uh, they selected wing Ed Fido. Um, they also traded with Utah to to move up into the first round on a back-to-back -back pick and select wing scrum half Nate 
Osberger, who was supposed to go to New York, and he was supposed to go to New York and play scrum half, not not a wing, according to, to Brian Ray. But then they turned around and traded Nate Osberger, Noel Gold did, to Chicago for salary cap consideration. So now Osberger is now in Chicago, and it sounded like he did sign, and he's not going to revert to scrum half. He's going to continue to to play wing. But if you look at Chicago's back line and all of the fullbacks and wings that they have, I don't know where he fits in. You know, I don't know how they're <laughs> going to get minutes to all those guys, but wildness. Um, just wild. I don't know. Any any thoughts on the Nola Gold Chicago Hounds maneuvering? I mean, Nola loves to deal. They love to, to do the wheeling and dealing around a draft. Yeah. I think it's going to be a problem for everyone. Most of these rosters are set, so you're adding, and we'll talk about it with Old Glory, but you're adding players to, to full rosters, and it's a bit like, okay, well, I guess we'll see who plays. But there are always injuries as well. I mean, that's the yeah. thing is that, and it it's always good to, you know, you don't want players playing every week. So it's, they'll have some flexibility around who they play and, and be able to rotate guys in and out. And I think it'll all work out. Yeah. I mean, Nate, Nate's, Nate's a men's eagle, right? So he may not be there for Chicago at the end of the regular season, yeah. you know, coming into playoff time, right? So, you know, you got a wing like Julian Dominguez and others. So, like, yeah, maybe that's what they were thinking about there. And Noel Gold wasn't done yet. They also selected um, former Toronto Arrows fly half Sam Malcolm. Sam Malcolm is from New Zealand, so he doesn't qualify as a domestic player, I'm almost certain. So there are probably some visa issues. Probably unlikely that Sam Malcolm signs for New Orleans, but if he does, I mean, what a savvy little pickup by Nola Gold to get, hopefully, a, a healthy Sam Malcolm. So, you know, I guess we'll see there. A couple other moves I want to call out. Dallas, they selected center Mitch Richardson. I kind of liked him from the arrows. I thought he was a pretty capable yeah. player. I think Dallas got a, a savvy pickup there. The Seattle Seawolves, um, I thought they made two really good selections. They picked up uh, prop Chance Wengluski, Men's Eagle, and Pongo Heine, who's their eight man, former eight-man for New York. He actually was a capped for USA 7s, uh, which is interesting. Um, but Seattle adding, you know, two pretty solid players for their forward pack, maybe provide a little more more coverage uh, there. New England, they made one pick, and they got a guy that I really like. He's a men's eagle. He can play hooker. He can do prop. Uh, Caleb Geiger. AKP, your thoughts on New England selecting Caleb Geiger? The guy's a bull moose. Yeah, yeah, he's a good player, and he's he's one of the up and comers for the Eagles. Who who looks like he could, I mean, this sort of prop hooker position is sort of in a constant state of flux, and he's one of the guys who looks like he might be able to, just like Iscaro is really locked down that that loose head position. I think Geiger has a chance at locking down that tight head position. So it's just shocking to see New England actually uh, investing in an American instead of a Canadian. <laughs> Do they realize which side of the border they're on? <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's classic. Um, but you bring up a really good point. <laughs> oh, AKP, well done. Well done. Take that, New England. Um, 
<laughs> Moving on quickly, LA, they selected two picks that I like. Jason Emery Center. I he's a fun player. I thought he had a really solid season last year uh with New York. And then they also selected um Andrew Coe, a Canadian winger who's 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 had a good who's had some good years in MLR. He's selected by LA. We'll see if he actually signs with them. Uh and then before we move to Old Glory real quickly, San Diego, they selected Chris Matina, who Wright was on Chicago, I guess signed a contract or didn't sign a contract with New York, but now has been selected by San Diego. We'll see if he signs there, but you know, I think if I had a chance to play for San Diego, warm weather, decent salary, <laughs> I think I would take that. So um, we will see there. Anything else about that player dispersal draft uh, from the other clubs that stood out to you, or do you want to jump right into Old Glory? Let's jump right into Old Glory. Lead us off, buddy. Uh, who did Old Glory pick, and what are your thoughts? Yeah, so first round, we were picking eighth. It was based on the, the last season's standings. We got scrum half Connor Buckley from New York, one of the, the two Connors there. He played a fair amount last year at scrum half. He was sort of one of the go-to backup scrum halves there and then young american um I, not capped by the eagles but one of those guys that sort of everyone has their eye on as a, a possibility and then second round 19th pick we selected wing fullback john powers also from new york who also a domestic option young guy um showed some flashes of of good play in in new york so has potential and I think the interesting thing here is we've selected two young guys, two domestic guys, but it feels very much like we're picking for the future. Like these are guys they hope will actually stay on the team because everyone in the dispersal draft, if you got picked and then you sign a contract that you're exempt from the salary cap. So, you know, we could, we could have signed some big names. I mean, we could have taken Andrew Coe, for example, uh, another wing slash fullback who, it was still on the table when we we selected Powers. We could have we could have taken him, and you know he would have commanded a higher salary than Powers would. But then you go to next year, and those salaries are not going to be exempt anymore. So you're going to have to fit those guys into the roster. So it it sort of felt like we picked up a guy, a couple of guys who we think might work, and they they get a chance to be on the team, and then we can hopefully keep them around next year if if they if they're good. But it's also interesting from a, a positional perspective because, I mean, Connor Buckley's a scrum half, so we all know we have a, a wonderful, great starting scrum half in Danny Tusatala, who's started all but one game that Glory, Old Glory has ever played, and he's eaten up most of the scrum half minutes in for Old Glory for like the entire history. He's one of the most used players ever for old glory i don't think anyone else has played more minutes than he has so it's not a position that for us has tended to have much opportunity for other players on the roster and that's i mean if we remember back to when i was talking about john lefevre and how he kind of gets a little buried on the roster and he's he's a good player but you just don't get to see him that much and now you look at the players that have officially been signed you've got 
Um, Gardy Laban is coming back, but he's probably just a, a backup in case of injuries. He's a different case. But you've got Ethan McVeigh, who we've another young domestic yeah. scrum half who we've picked up. Now we've got Connor Buckley. We don't know whether John Lefevre is coming back, but you know we could end up with uh, right now if Buckley signs. That's four scrum halves confirmed for the the 2024 roster, and then you know potentially John Lefevre as well. Like how? Why? <laughs> We're never going to use them all. They're not all going to have a chance, and they're all going to get a chance to compete, and maybe if they're not good enough, they're not going to get on the field, but it it feels weird. It it does feel weird in a couple of points. One, O'Glory uh, announced just a few moments ago that they have officially signed Connor Buckley, so he's officially Great. part of the roster, so that's good to know. But John Lefebvre, what's interesting about him is that uh, there's a group that I used to play with DC touch rugby. Um, they play Wednesdays and Saturdays. Old, some old glory DC players get out and play. And if you follow their account on Instagram, they have tagged a couple of players and it looked like Jamma was out there not too long ago playing. I think I saw maybe Koi Koi at one point. John Lefebvre was out there playing. So he's, it seems like he's around the DC area, yeah. right? So if you're talking about four scrum halves, maybe Simon Cross is like, Hey, let's bring this all in. I want to compare. I want to see all of them compete, as you said. Danny, um, Ethan, Connor, and John, and let's see how they compete, and let's figure out who my two or three are, because it seems like we're not going to have all four. It seems like one of them is probably not going to make their... You're not going to hold four scrum halves. Yeah, or maybe we see them play out of position. I mean, you know, Lefebvre is a, a sevens guy there's yep. there's a real chance that he could move out to the wing you know we signed john powers and it was a, that one was made a lot of sense to me because we don't have a lot of wings on the roster and we don't have a lot of domestic options in the in the back three generally so you know there'd be space for john lefevre on the, on the wing you know it'd be basically be him, john powers john rizzo john lefevre which just all the johns as domestic <laughs> options on the wing or or at fullback and Mike Tabulis. And that so you know maybe maybe we see him moved around used in other ways. I don't know that Connor Buckley or Ethan McVeigh are quite as as flexible but you know maybe and maybe the advantage that someone like Lefevre has is that if he's good enough on the wing then you can put him on the you put him on the bench every week because you either use him at wing or at scrum half he can cover a variety of positions he's got that flexibility as a sort of utility back so i guess we'll see we'll see what yeah. i it doesn't make sense to me and for me particularly i wanted to see them we talked about this before the draft i wanted to see them pick up a domestic center because we also don't have a lot of domestic centers on the the roster i wanted to see them pick up um, someone like Nick Ben, who I think is a yep. really good player and probably very underrated. He was still on the table. I would have taken him over Connor Buckley, I'll be honest, because we don't really need more players at the scrum half position, but we do need, we could have used a center. And someone like Nick Ben counts as domestic. I mean, Canadian, so you've got to get, you've got to get him in the country and all that. But, mm -hmm. but this is all bonus stuff, so he, but it's also a matter of we don't know who else is signed and who. I was looking at it earlier 
there's 12 players we know are leaving, 12 players we know are joining. You've got um, 16 players confirmed returning from last year. And then I think there's 12 players who we don't know what their status is, John Lefevre being one of them. And, you know, that could that could change things. For example, Fermin Martinez, if he comes back and counts as a domestic option at center, then maybe, maybe that allays a fair amount of my concern there. But, you know, mm-hmm. if he's not back, then we really have a problem at the center position. So, hey, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We will see. And, and I, I'm hopeful that's what's happening, right? I think the, the, the team is sitting back and trying to figure out as much optionality or flexibility that they can have week in and week out, particularly on the understanding that they're going to make the playoffs because eight teams make it. And then, yeah, looking at the end of June and July when you may have some Oakland or DC players, as many as six, right, not there for some key matches. And hopefully all this is being factored in. And I'm sure it is. But, I mean, we have so long to go. But it's exciting. We finally have a season schedule. We know what the format's going to be. That roster's starting to come into form a lot more. Uh, We're almost a week out from the start of official start of of, of training camps. So, uh, it's exciting. It's exciting. Um, you know, maybe we'll see this LA rugby team, uh, get announced soon. And if you're AKP, you announce it in the next couple of days. (laughs) I have a feeling that's probably going to happen. I bet after this podcast, we release it. I, I, I anticipate maybe like a Thursday, Friday, you know, maybe the beginning of, of next week, right before people, you know, quickly put up that out of office, message or whatever and uh you know they're sitting around chomping it up yeah maybe what do you release it on christmas day could you do that you could schedule it you know it's not like someone needs to be live yeah. you could schedule it and send it out or on tuesday the 26th you know capture you know the next couple of days when people are just sitting around i don't know we'll see so akp final thoughts here closing segment now that the season schedule is out is there a game that you've circled on your schedule as the one you are most excited or looking forward to? I think it's that week two free Jacks game. If we could spoil their, their home opener, that would, that would be a fantastic way to start the season. And then I think week three, getting to host the Miami Sharks expansion team at home, home opener, first game in the new venue. So I think, I think week two, week three, early March, that's that's gonna be that's what I'm really looking forward to at the moment. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Those are the two ones that that I circle. The one if we can if Old Glory DC can go up there and, and spoil the the home opener for New England on the day they're probably gonna get their championship rings from last year. Oh man, have all <laughs> the fans leaving with a bad taste in their mouth, and then turn around the next week and we have our home opener against you know the new franchise Miami get a win there that would be a fun little two week there those are the two that i'm circling early in the season and uh oh boy we're here man schedule's out yeah we know who we're playing we know there's an la franchise we just don't know their team name or who's on it quite yet but the season is coming there will be rugby in 2024 absolutely Alrighty, everyone you've been listening to another episode of the glorious rugby podcast We'll see how things go for next week. A very long one. A lot of editing we're needing to take place on this one. And we'll see how 
next week shakes out. If there's some news that drops, we'll hop on the mics real quick and record. But if there's not too much, we may take a little break. So we'll see. Hopefully we get to record an episode next week. But again, for my co-host, Alistair Kirschpool, I am John Fitzpatrick. You've been listening to the Glorious Rugby Podcast. We'll catch you sometime next week.